welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 254, Writing with Scrivener, an interview with Gwen Hernandez, coming to you on Thursday, June 24th, 2021. I hope that you are having an excellent June wherever you are, whether it's summer or winter, or if you're in Sweden or somewhere in the Scandinavian countries, it's almost midsummer celebration. Yay! Long weekend. Yay! <laughs> Which also means more writing time for me. So I'm very excited. Remember that if there's anything that you are struggling with, um, maybe there's something that you are trying to find out information about and you just can't find it or you don't know how. Um, if you are struggling with starting your first book or finishing your first book, or if there's anything else that you think that I might be able to help you with, remember, since I'm a writing coach, this is what I do. I love to help people. So reach out to me. I am on Twitter. You can send a direct message to me at Kitty Buholtz. I'm also on Facebook at Kitty Buholtz. And actually, Facebook Messenger would be the best way to reach me there. And probably the best, best way would be Kitty at KittyBuholtz.com email. But remember, um, I have finally, once again, just wanted to remind you, fixed my website. <laughs> so if you go to rightnowworkshop.com, you can uh, click on writing coach. And then further down on the near the bottom of that page, you can put your email address in and I'll contact you and we can get on a free call and see if there's something I can do to help you. So please go ahead and do that. You can go to rightnowworkshop.com forward slash writing coach that takes you directly to that page, go to the bottom of the page. Now, we are about ready to learn a ton of awesome stuff about Scrivener. Now, maybe you haven't ever used it and you've been thinking, I never will. Uh, I asked you to just give this a chance because there are some things that Gwen says about how to get started that makes it very, very simple. And then the point would be for you to only learn the things that you need to know as you go along. So there is no overwhelm, no avalanche of learning that you need to worry about because in essence, you can just start with a blank document, just like in Microsoft Word or Google Docs. But also, if you think that you are a Scrivener Pro, it's possible that Gwen will tell you about something that you haven't been using the way she uses it, or maybe you haven't been using it at all, or maybe it'll just give you an idea or remind you of something that you've forgotten. So this is a great episode. Gwen really knows Scrivener backward and forward. I mean, she has, after all, written the book on it. I, I have the book Scrivener for Dummies here. Um, and she has got tons of great information for us. So here we go. Here's Gwen. Today's guest is Gwen Hernandez, the author of Scrivener for Dummies. Gwen helps writers all over the world master Scrivener through online courses, in-person workshops, and private training. When she's not using Scrivener to write romantic suspense, this lifelong nomad likes to travel, read, run along the beach, flail on a yoga mat, and explore her current home of Southern California. Welcome, Gwen. Hi, Kitty. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you here. I met you online probably 10 or 12 or 15 years ago. <laughs> it's, it's been, been a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to say, I love your, I love your bio. The, the flail on the yoga mat. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's someone I could do yoga with. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, I don't want anybody to think I'm like some yogi or whatever, but I do enjoy uh, getting on the mat. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> I did it once at a writer's retreat and I could not believe, like, I don't know what moved in my body and oxygen to my brain and, you know, being upside down will probably give you some oxygen in your brain. I got back to the room to start on the next, you know, writing sprint my brain was on fire. I'm like, I must have yoga in my life. And then I never <laughs> lived anywhere where I knew how to, how to connect with somebody again. <laughs> I should do that again. It's all online now. I do it all online. Oh, all right. We will talk after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I don't think that you and I have ever actually met. This is about as close to face-to-face -face as face-to-face -face as, as I think we've come. So mm -hmm. why don't you kind of tell me and everybody a little bit of the, the background of Gwen? <laughs> okay. Um, 
I started as a programmer and a manufacturing engineer uh, and business instructor, had quite a few careers along the way, um, but kind of always wanted to write a book. And so at some point I quit my full-time job to stay home with my kids and kind of got bored fairly quickly because they were in school and decided this is when I can finally start writing something I sort of thought would be cool to do for a very long time, but never took seriously. Um, And then I'd been writing about six months uh, when a friend introduced me to Scrivener, which (laughs) I was like, okay, I already have a word processor. What do I need Scrivener for? And then I opened it. I was like, okay, this solves all my problems. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I've been kind of writing with Scrivener almost from the beginning and, um, and I started blogging about it and kind of things took off from there, but Nice. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, how I got into writing both Scrivener and then just writing in general. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to write. And I always thought it would be more technical or something because that was my background um, until I started reading romance and realized that was what all the stories in my head were. So nice. Yeah. (laughs) Even when I'm trying to write something that's something else, like um, the superhero series I wrote, um, it still ends up being the romance between her and her brand new husband. I I just, I can't, I just can't. Apparently I just don't want to write something that doesn't have some love story wound into it. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't realize that I was looking for that because I used to read a lot more like thrillers and mysteries and that kind of thing. Um, and kind of didn't recognize the frustration I had when some of the relationships took forever, you know, five books or whatever. Yeah. And then I, I read a couple of romances like, oh, yes, this is exactly what I've been missing. And I tried to go back to some of those old authors and struggled a little because they frustrated me. After yeah. That. So, yeah, yeah oh. I tend to read a lot, almost entirely romance these days. And that's definitely what I like to write. So nice. Yeah. I, um, I have a rather eclectic taste, uh, though it's still narrowed in on genre fiction. So um, I, I've been on a Stephen King role again the last couple of years. I've asked for his new hardcover every Christmas for the last couple of years and um, just got the new Andy Weir book, uh, the author of The Martian. Okay. Yeah. So there was, um, so I live in Sydney, uh, Sydney. I used to live in Sydney. I don't know why I said that. Cause I, sometimes I can't remember where I am. Uh, I, you understand military yes. wife, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I live in Sweden and the science fiction bookstore here had like four signed copies, um, which his signature is just a scribble. Like anybody could have done that. And I would never have known that it wasn't him, you know, but I had it in my mind. Oh my gosh. I kind of really want this book, especially the autographed one. And I'm like, okay, so if I buy it now and leave it in the bag and I can't take it out of the bag until I do something where like I've earned some sort of reward, because I'm really into rewards and celebrations and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've got to do something big, like finish my next audio book or something like that. And then I'm like, Oh, I get to read the new book, but (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, I do. I do like a few different kinds of things. But anyway, um, and we could write all those things in Scrivener. So everybody who's listening, this is not a show about romance today. <laughs> <laughs> so you got involved in Scrivener because you somebody said, why don't you give it a try? And then you started blogging about it. And then just people started asking you more questions and you ended up becoming a trainer somehow. Yeah. Um, so I had started blogging about it because that was back at the time, like 2009 ish when all the agents were saying, you must have a blog, you got to have an online presence, all that. And I was like, okay, I just started writing. I don't know what to talk about. Like who wants to hear from me? So, um, when a friend started that same friend started asking me questions about how I did something in Scrivener and I was like, um, okay, maybe other people don't know how to do that too. I'll just blog about it. And then, I just started looking for more things to talk about. I ended up doing this like 16 week series on Scrivener. Wow. (laughs) And um, that led to, that was kind of early days for Scrivener too. It only been around for a couple of years. And um, so the guys at the company, David, who's been doing their PR forever, um, you know, would, would re like post things on Twitter and that kind of thing since I was basically giving them free promo. <laughs> yeah. And so we kind of became friendly, not, not friends, but, <laughs> um, 
and so then my audience for that started to grow a little bit and I had, yeah, I would get a lot of questions and then it's, I kept getting things like, oh, you should write a book or you should teach a class or things like that. So I started teaching classes in 2011 and then I got the deal for the Scrivener book in 2012 and just holding just it up. Of, if you're not yeah. watching on YouTube, it's Scrivener for dummies. <laughs> which is actually really kind of out of date at this point. I mean, it does, a lot of the stuff is still works the same, but you know, the pictures are out of date and things like that. So I generally direct everyone to my classes now, but um, yeah, so that it kind of just took off and became its own little side thing, which fits really nicely into my background. I mean, my uh, tech background and yeah. I've always enjoyed teaching and, and that kind of thing. So, and I'm learning more about my, uh, sort of personality and strengths and stuff, it fits right into me liking to sort of learn new things and then share them with people. So nice. um, yeah, it's been a really nice balance to, to be both doing fiction in Scrivener, but also still kind of staying true to my love of teaching and, and the sort of tech, it's not hardcore tech, but you know, just sort of yeah. um, being a little more technical in my life kind of gives yeah. me multiple avenues. Yeah. I'm totally with you. I, I can't, just right. Um, like I can for a little while, you know, a couple of weeks or a month or something, but then if I don't have somebody around to teach something that I'm learning, um, my husband just sort of gets attacked at the front door every time he comes home because I've got to tell him something or, or, or sometimes, um, yeah, he'll be like, okay, nag, nag, nag. I'm like, I'm not nagging. I was just helping you by explaining this thing. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to find somebody to teach something to. <laughs> and if I just teach all the, all the time, I had a job at a, um, at a business college teaching like a software. Yeah. Uh, you and I probably would be like sisters in another life. <laughs> uh, but then if I wasn't writing, I just got really cranky and I didn't know that that was it until like, I would take some time to do some writing. I'm like, Oh, I feel happy again. So I have to do both or I'm a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I definitely like the sort of mental challenge of of changing things a lot. I mean, I've had a lot of jobs and usually I left if I got bored and it, yeah. I got bored if like I had learned how to do my job and then there were no like new projects or new, you know, systems to learn or something like that. Um, so writing has been really good for me for that way because every book is a new challenge, new research and plot points to figure out and characterization to figure out and um, you know, I get frustrated, but I also have to remind myself that this is what I love about it is that I'm yeah. never bored by the writing process. Um, you know, well, you're making me feel better about myself because sometimes I'll be talking to somebody who's had the same, uh, worked at the same company for, you know, 15 years or been in the same industry for 30 years. And I'm like, Oh, I don't even want to think about, I don't, I don't actually don't know how many jobs I've had because I'm the same. I'll get so excited. This job sounds great. Yes. I'd love to take the job. And then we do the stuff and we fix the things and we create the thing. And, and six months later, I'm just like, is that it? Are we done now? <laughs> yes. Have, have you ever taken Becca Symes strengths for writers or, or done that? No, I've really been thinking okay. I need to contact her to be <laughs> on the show. You should, I was going to recommend her, but I'm taking her class right now. And it is eye-opening, like um, I'm just thinking we probably have some, some overlapping strengths in our top five or 10, because we sound yeah. very similar in a lot of ways. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll talk more later and maybe, uh, <laughs> okay. maybe you can, uh, email, introduce us and see if she'd like to be on the show. I'd love to have her. Definitely. Sweet. Okay. So back to Gwen. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, so, so then you, uh, you learned Scrivener, started blogging about it. Uh, you started teaching about it. You wrote a book about it. You're still teaching about it. So mm -hmm. maybe you can share with our audience. There's a lot of, um, it seems to me, there are two main bodies of people that I've run into and a third smaller body. And for me, it seems to be, oh my gosh, I absolutely adore Scrivener. I could never live without it. Oh my gosh, I hate Scrivener. It's way too complicated. I don't know at all how to even begin. And then a very small group of people who are like, Scrivener. <laughs> <laughs> right. The new writers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, maybe you could start with, um, I don't know, maybe an overview and then maybe some of your favorite features, something like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, Scrivener is writing software, uh, which 
might seem silly, like how's that different from a word processor, but the biggest difference that Scrivener gives you is the ability to keep all of the aspects of your writing in one place. So I like to think of it as project management for books. Um, the, the files are called projects. And so within each one, you have um, the ability to keep your, both your writing itself, but also, you know, your images, any of your research notes, all your whatever characterization, setting, basically anything that you would do for that book, you can have all of those materials in there, links to websites, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, they used, I used to call it like the trapper keeper <laughs> yes. for, for all of your, um, for everything for that book. And um, so that alone, I thought made it really useful, but there's a couple other things I like about it. Um, for example, if you're writing in a standard word processor and you're doing say 70, 90,000 words, right? The whole thing just builds as you go and it's one long continuous file that goes on forever. So if you're going to try to find something that you wrote earlier, or if you're doing edits and things like that, it can be really hard to figure out where to where that section is that you're looking for. Or um, if you're trying to like copy and paste, you know, you copy and then you scroll forever and then paste it in. Yeah. So the nice thing that Scrivener does is it gives you like a table of contents um, because you can break everything up into scenes or chapters, um, whatever chunk you think in basically, um, sections, blog posts, articles, whatever it is. Um, so it gives you a visual list of your book, either as it grows, or if you're more of a plotter and you build it out in advance, you can see all the elements there and then go fill them in. Um, so that visual is really helpful for me and the ability to say, oh, I want to go back to the scene where they were at the wedding and fix this part. I can just click on the scene called at the wedding and scroll through it. And it's only, you know, one to 3000 words or something like that and quickly find what I'm looking for. I mean, there's all sorts of searches and all that kind of stuff too, but yeah. Um, for me, the visual was very, very helpful, especially once I learned story structure and then I could kind of see like how, you know, I could kind of estimate like where I was in the story structure um, just by looking at the, the, what they call the binder, which is that table of contents yeah. um, to see how it's going. And then there's all, you know, if you want to get fancier than that, like you need more than that, there's way more than that. Um, but like at its most basic level, it just really helps you stay organized and helps you see what you've created. And um, personally, I think it makes it simpler. Um, but I also tell people like, if you didn't have any pain points, if you're working in Word or Google Docs or whatever, and there's literally nothing that bothers you, then I mean, there's no reason to switch to Scrivener. Yeah. But if there's something that's bothering you, like the whole, you know, endless thing, or you're already trying to split it up into chapters and then keep track of those in Finder or File Explorer, um, you might like Scrivener. <laughs> it's probably yeah. worth giving it a look uh, because it, it you can color code and you can leave notes for yourself all over the place and um, you know keep keep versions of documents and uh, so there's all sorts of really handy things that yeah. way. But you don't even have to use all of those things. Right. So yeah. For those who tend to look at it and get overwhelmed, I'm part of the problem with Scrivener. I think is you know, if you work in Word, you're just like, it's a blank piece of paper. I type, I make things look the way I want them. That's it. Do you use mail merge? Probably not. Like there's plenty <laughs> of features in Word that no one cares about, right? Yeah. Um, most people don't even use styles or any of the outlines, any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, in Scrivener, they look at it, they're like, I want to know all of it. And then they try to go learn all of it. And then they get really overwhelmed and they get out. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you ease into it and you learn the basics, and then if you think it'd be really helpful if I could, it probably exists. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm totally with you. I, um, the reason why I, it was actually a screenwriting friend of mine who told me about it. She's like, if you heard of Scrivener and it was, um, let's see, it was between 2001 and 2005, because I remember where I lived at the time <laughs> and, uh, and I looked into it, I did the 30 day free trial, which let me just say, 
best 30 day free trial ever. My husband downloaded it for windows about four years ago, and he's still only on like day 12 because it's literally 30 days of opening the, the piece of software. Yes. So yes. I love that. But, um, yeah, I was started looking into it because, um, it's not that my books were particularly complicated, you know, they're romantic comedy novels, regular full length, but, um, but I had, um, you know, a list of uh, settings and I needed to remember who owned which business. And I had the list of his family and the list of her family and whose who's grandma was the one who did the thing. And uh, then I had pictures that I had taken from the internet, you know, that so I could remember this is about how I see this person in my mind so I can always describe them the same. Uh, and then, you know, it's just different things. And then I would, in order to keep all of my, um, uh, websites uh, together, anything that had to do with research, like, yes, I could create a folder within my browser. But what I was doing was um, because I wanted everything, like you said, to be in one spot, like under the folder for that book, I had a separate Word document that was a cut and paste of every single website. And then I had to describe what the website was. And I was losing things and I was um, making changes to an old version instead of the newest version. And it was just a disaster. I was so frustrated. So when I opened up Scrivener and, you know, went through the tutorial and I was like, oh my gosh, I will have one file. That means that I will never not be in the right file <laughs> and the pictures and the websites and the, uh, like all of the research and all of the family trees and everything, it's all there in one place. And you just start clicking on the left, you know, and your table of contents is kind of what I um, call the binder. Um, and then get there. And you can look at this file and this file on top of each other so that you can be like, oh yeah, that's right. That's how I meant to describe that business. That's like right on the lake. And so, yes, I am in yeah. love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I also try to tell people that, um, like, if you're just going to try it out 30 days, it's a long time. I mean, for a lot of people, that's going to be way more than a month of, of writing. Um, like, just look at it as a word processing document at first, and just one that's keeping all of your little files in one place. Exactly. Yep. So let's look at... Um, let making, um, this is a terrible assumption, but let's assume that more than half of the audience is, is already um, using Scrivener. What are okay. some of your favorite features? One, the ones that you use almost every book. Okay. Um, I use annotations. Um, there's annotations and comments, and those are ways to leave little notes for yourself at a specific point in the text. So if you're familiar with like word comments, um, Scrivener comments are basically the same as word comments. For some reason, I started using annotations first. And so it's just my habit. Um, they're like comments, but they're in line in the text in a little colored bubble. Oh. And they basically work like bold, like you turn it on, you type, and then you turn it off. Okay. Um, and I think I probably like that because then it's my hands stay on the keyboard because I just use the keyboard shortcut turned on. <laughs> right. Whatever. Um, so can I interrupt and just ask yeah. you, cause I, like, I've never used annotations. I just assumed it was just for nonfiction, but is this the sort of thing where, um, like in, in one of my other writer friends, they would have done three asterisks need to research this three asterisks, but instead yes. you're doing it. That's brilliant. I like that better. Well, the beauty is that generally by default, when you compile, which is like exporting the whole thing out into a single file, again, like a word document or something, um, those get stripped out unless you choose to leave them in. Yeah. So with the whole asterisk thing, you have to go find them and, and take them all out. And you may not even be ready to take them out. Um, and I also use the annotations for other things like marking parts of the book, I think would be good for like a marketing excerpt on Instagram or something like that. So I don't ever want to take those out. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll use them to keep track of, like if I have a scene that for whatever reason spans a lot of time yeah. and, and suddenly it's now 3 a.m. I'll, I'll put a little annotation there. It's 3 a.m. And now it's 5 a.m. or whatever. Just so as I'm going through when I'm editing, I can keep track of that stuff. And yeah. again, that would be something I wouldn't necessarily want to strip out before sending off to like a critique partner or something. Right. Um, so yeah, I find them very handy for yeah. a lot of different things. And I, I'll even, 
mark them like uh, MED if it's a medical question or RES if it's more general research or something. So like my dad's a nurse, so I can get him on the phone and go through all my medical questions. And there's a really quick search you can do under the find menu that um, lets you search just for annotations. And then you can search for just those with certain text in them. So I can just narrow it all down and get all my annotations, you know, line by line. Wow. Okay. Let me just say, I knew you were brilliant, <laughs> but I didn't expect your very first tip to be something that I've never used that now I'm dying to use. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's so see what for. number two ends up being. <laughs> okay. Ah, number two. Well, you already mentioned split screen and I do that a lot. Um, just being able to refer to other documents or um, I even keep a document in there that's just my daily progress of what I've been doing with notes. And I'm trying to like get better at being able to go back and look at how long did it take me to write the last book and what were oh, some yeah. of the things I encountered. And um, so I have an, a note like that in there and I want to fill it out right before I'm done for the day and I'll just split the screen. So I kind of keep my place where I am in the book, but then I have that open, fill it out you know, back up. And then the next day I come in, I fill out when I started and then I close it and go back to my, where I am in the, the book, just yeah. little things like that. But um, yeah, referring to research or pictures or anything like that while writing, sometimes I just split it and refer back to an earlier part of the scene that I'm working in. So I don't have to scroll up and down, up and down. Yeah. Um, so split screen is great. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, full screen composition mode where you just kind of block out all the distractions and work on a, just a piece of paper with either a plain color background or you can add an image. So I really like to put an image on the background that keeps me in the mood of the setting of my book, Right. which especially works if I'm like, I've had a few that are either in the jungle or they're running in the mountains or whatever. So I'll just have, you know, like the background of Montana or of the Caribbean or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of keeps me in the dark green, wet, feel of, of where they are. Yeah. It would be probably easier to remember what you were typing about than if you were looking out your window at like, you know, cactus in the Arizona desert or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nice. So, um, that's a good one. I'm trying to think what's my other, Oh, I use the label, um, value, which is, it's just a, like a tag you can put on a document. So you can choose one value for that for each document. Um, and that an example, like I often use it for point of view, since I have multiple points of view in my book. Um, so I can mark it, you know, it's his, hers, his, hers, his, hers, and so on. Um, it's really good in revision mode too. It, it, especially if you're nonfiction, and I'll tell you why in a second, but you could um, use this for where you are in the revision process and then color code it. So when you open up your project in the morning or whenever, you can see instantly which files still need work and you can jump right to that, that document. Yeah. And this was really helpful when I was writing Scrivener for dummies, because I had to turn in each chapter as it was completed. And then I would get chapters back for revisions before I'd even started some of the other chapters. Oh. So I really needed to keep track of, you know, okay, this one has gone out to the editor. Um, this one has got edits back, but I haven't started working on it yet. This one I haven't even written yet, you know, was, so yeah. it just became this little dashboard um, that was color coded that I could, okay, today I know I'm on sort of getting close to my quarter deadline where I have to have all these edits done or whatever. Um, I need to focus on the, the yellow ones or whatever. And then, yeah. okay, today I have more time. I can focus on writing new things. I'll go to the red ones. Um, nice. So there's lots of ways you could do that. It could be setting, it could be timeline. It could be um, if you were like, I have a project that has all the blog posts I've ever written in it for the last <laughs> 12 years. <laughs> and um, they're color coded by where they're look like which site they're on. So like oh, I regularly, website? yeah, like I regularly post for writer unboxed um, the quarterly and, so, you know, I post on my own website um, I also keep my newsletters in there and, um, you know, and then, or maybe it's a guest post or whatever. So I can quickly see, and not only is the color coding helpful there, but it allows me to search for those things. So I can go back and say, okay, what are all the blog posts I've written for writer on box so far? Um, so that I don't repeat myself <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it for, for, for years now. So yeah. I'm afraid I'll go back and end up doing the same thing accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really helpful. 
Um, Excellent. Those are, I'm sure I'll come up with more as we go along, but those are some of my personal favorites and that I pretty much always use in every project that I'm working on. Now, um, I, I, so I haven't used the Windows version. I think that they're pretty similar. Yeah. They are now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought that I'd heard. I have to say one of my favorite uh, ways to use Scrivener is in the uh, research folder. You know, you can put in, you can just uh, put in as many little mini documents or pages or whatever you want to call them as, as you want. Um, and the, one of my favorite, favorite things is that I can do the research for, um, you know, what does this kind of person do all day, you know, in this kind of a job. And then I, um, I don't know what that little symbol next to the URL is, but you can click and drag that symbol and drag it all the way over to your Scrivener research folder or whatever folder you want to put it in and let go. And then it brings in that page. So maybe it's like the home page or something. I have one of them. I one of the ones I'm looking at right here is um, casket factory information from a casket factory. <laughs> Um, cause you know, there's a reason why I needed that. And it's the homepage of this site that has like tons of pictures and tons of information. And, um, I don't know if it's only when you're connected to the internet or if it's a, um, like a copy for now. And if you're connected to the internet, it works, but like, I can click right into it and, and, and I'm still in Scrivener and it's, you know, showing me the website. I'm just like, this is brilliant. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you know much more about that than, than what I just said, but. Well, yeah, so you can import web pages like that. And um, normally my understanding when you import them is they're sort of a static copy of the of what they were at the moment you brought them in. Okay. Um, but the links will still work and stuff. So you could click on the link and it would take you to whatever the current version of that link is. Yeah. Um, I tend to actually use bookmarks more often for web pages. Um, so, so it's just bookmarks kind of in the browser, not in Scrivener. In the inspector of your project. Okay, please explain. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is fun. Okay. <laughs> so the inspector is this little window on the right hand side, which you're probably familiar with. Um, by default, it has the synopsis and the notes on it, but there's a button. It looks like a little ribbon, and that's your bookmarks button. And um, you can keep either document or project bookmarks. Um, so document would be specific to that document you're looking at, which I generally find less useful unless I'm using this more for like articles or blog posts or things right. um, or project bookmarks. And it can be web pages. It can be documents that are accessible from your computer, or it could even be other documents within the project. So I use a lot for web pages. Um, that I don't want to import because I, I may never need it again, but I don't want to forget where it was. <laughs> yeah. And um, so you just, you know, you can just, you can actually just do the dragging thing, but drag it to the project bookmarks, um, the little top of the project bookmarks their yeah. area, or you can click the plus button and, and paste it in or whatever. And then it'll, uh, it can give you a little preview if you want, um, but you can just double click on the little icon and then it'll open it in your browser if you really want to go visit it. Ah. So I often don't go back to these websites like once I've gotten what I needed, but I don't want to forget where they are in yeah. case I need to follow up. Yeah. Um, so and especially I'll just, in nonfiction where you need to prove your fact, fact checking. Absolutely. For nonfiction, it's, it's can be even more important. Um, so I tend to use it there. So they're sort of off to the side. They're not taking up any extra space by being in my binder. Right. Um, but they're, and, and sometimes, you know, website pages, depending on how complicated they are, how much stuff they have running in the background can be a little overwhelming or, or, or like do weird things. So right. um, if I don't really need the, the page itself, I will just use a bookmark. Okay. Wow. Now I got to think of what else do I do? And you'll tell me a better way to do it. <laughs> At least a different way, depending on your preferences. Yeah. Well, let's go back to um, the group of people who are like, but I don't know what you're really talking about it. So <laughs> where would where would you start, um, you know, like today, the 2021 version, where would you start and what would be the, the two or three tools that you would tell somebody, just, just do this until you start feeling more comfortable? Okay. Um, so I would probably recommend they start the tutorial. The problem with the tutorial is 
similar problem, like when I give a webinar that's an intro to Scrivener for an hour or two, is people get overwhelmed and they feel like, I'm never going to remember all this. This is so complicated and confusing. Um, really, it's just so that you know what's there in case you ever need it, but you don't have to know it all now. Um, yeah. the, the key things to understand are how to create a new document so that when you're ready to start your next scene or chapter, you can do that. Um, Honestly, that's it. You just need to know how to create a document and then write in the document. Yeah. That is literally the main thing to know how to do. And then as you feel like, well, it'd be really nice if I could color code or maybe um, work in the cork board to kind of storyboard this out where I just write a little synopsis of each thing rather than, you know, trying to, um, it depending on how you work. But yeah. if you like to storyboard, there's a way to do that. Um, the other thing I do a lot of times if I'm working with like a private client is I will ask them, what was the thing that made you want to try Scrivener? You know, let's make sure we learned that. Yeah. So if there was, if there was something you're like, the cork board is the thing I need to know, go learn how to use the cork board, but don't try to go too far beyond that until you're more comfortable with it. And then once you see the value of having the binder and having all your files in one place, um, you know, maybe learn how to import files but, but really there's, there's not a lot that you need to do. You know, a lot of it works very similarly to your file system on your computer, um, which if you're not familiar with that, go do a tutorial <laughs> because, um, you'd be amazed how many people don't actually know how to use their computer. Like really, they don't know how to find anything. Yeah. Um, and that's not a Scrivener problem. That's just a computer system issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you can double click to rename and you can drag things around to move them. Um, but really, if you just, if you can just create a document, start typing, create another document, keep typing yeah, and build from there as you, as you have more needs. Cause that's really, I know it sounds like the same as word, but just right there, you're going to be able to see your, your project build. You're going to be able to click on which area you want to work on. So if you want to switch between sections, um, your project is going to be getting backed up every time you close it automatically. All your work is being saved every couple seconds as you work. Um, you know, so I there's already those. a lot of things happening in the background that are helpful to you, yeah. even without you realizing it. Yeah. I have to say the automatic save, um, I haven't uh, been on a Windows computer for a long time, a long time, um, and I have not had it happen more than maybe two or three times in 10 years on my Mac, but um, the worst day of any writer's life, I think, the worst day of my life as a writer is always the day when I'm like, oh my gosh, the computer is shutting down. And I really have no idea when was the last time I hit save, <laughs> you know, but at least in Scrivener, I can be, okay, well, it was no more than the last time that I, you know, paused in my typing and then it like automatically saves when you pause or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Phew. No, it's great. I know. Yeah. And then the automatic backup, like a lot of people don't even realize it's backing up. It's just your hard drive. So if you lost your hard drive and you were working on your hard drive, then <laughs> yeah. you might be out of luck. But, um, you know, if you take a second to uh, go into the, the preferences or the options and, um, choose a backup folder. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, or that's not the same place Dropbox where your files are. Or, yeah. Yeah. So you could, um, if you're working on your hard drive, you could back up, you choose Dropbox or iCloud or, or uh, OneDrive or whatever as your backup drive. Yeah. And that way they're in a separate place or a flash drive or, a, you know, external drive or whatever you want. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So, um, I thought of a couple more questions for you. Um, some people, um, see even um, the, the software that they use as um, being better or worse for them if they consider themselves a plotter or a pantser. I think that Scrivener actually is perfect for both of them, but um, like give us your, your thoughts on that and maybe some of the things that work great if you're a plotter and I have a few things that I would add if you forget to say them, but, okay. and, uh, and the things that um, this works great if you're a right by the seat of your pants person. Absolutely. This is a common misconception I have. I'll have people say like, oh, I thought Scrivener only was for plotters. I'm like, I have never been a plotter. <laughs> In fact, the only reason I can keep track of what I'm doing is because I'm using Scrivener. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely, this is part of what makes it feel a little overwhelming and complicated. It 
completely flexes to whatever your style is by providing features that work for both types of writers. So I mentioned the corkboard. Generally speaking, that's gonna be a, a plotter heavy feature. Um, it's like, I don't know if you're familiar with the Pixar style of storyboarding where they put up the little index cards and draw a little picture on it, whatever. Um, you know, you could almost do that kind of thing where you just open the corkboard, you create um, an index card for each scene that you want and, and put a little synopsis of what it's about. And then when you're ready to write, you can click on that document. The synopsis is over in the inspector, so you can refer back to it, and then you can start writing. Yeah. So, um, and you don't have to use the corkboard. You could just create a document, give it a synopsis, you know, do that down the line as well. So, um, it it's great for plotters, but it's also great for pantsers because I can just um, open a document, write a scene, and then when I when I'm ready for the next scene create another document and I'll, I might put a little synopsis of what I think is going to happen. So I don't forget what I want to do and then start writing. So it completely works regardless of, um, you know, of your, yeah. what your preferred way to write is. And so you, know, you could write the first three and scenes and then, the, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I know how it's going to end. And then you could write the end scene. And then you could write this other scene that you're like, I'm just in the mood. I really want to write like when they dance at the wedding and the thing happens and then the shooter or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, no, you can totally write out of order. Like I'm a very linear writer in general, but every once in a while, I'll get an idea for a scene or like a conversation they should have at some point. And when I was working in Word, I would like write it down at the bottom of the document and just keep pushing it down. And I found it very irritating that I was constantly looking at it when I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So I can just create another document, plop it in there, call it, you know, scene at the wedding or whatever, since that's what's <laughs> on our minds and, and just leave it there off to the side. So I won't forget about it. I won't lose that thought when it comes into my head. Um, and there's a lot of ways you can do that. So you could, if it's not a full scene, maybe it's just a, a snippet and you just want to have a document where you store like little snippets and then go back to it to pull from later. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of ways you could handle that. Bits but, of dialogue that you come up with. Yeah. But you know, for people who are like those quilters, I don't know how you do that in word. I guess you'd have to have a separate word document and then try to bring them all together later. But yeah. in Scrivener, you can, um, put them all in there and then just move them around to wherever they need to be. You can play with different orders of things. And then, you know, there's a way to read through the, all of your documents as one, if you want, or, yeah. or sections of documents, you can group things into folders. So these could be like, maybe it's like part one, two, and three, and four, if yeah. you're feeling kind of loose about it or, um, I make each chapter yeah. a folder and then however many scenes are in that chapter, it might have one or it might have two or three. Mm -hmm. And then, sorry, if you just heard the ambulance go by. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and, and then, um, I don't write stories with, uh, parts or sections, but that's easy to do too. Right. Absolutely. Just yeah. So you can do folders. Um, yeah, I mean, each chapter could be a document. Or each chapter could be a folder with sub documents in it. I actually tend to write all my scenes for the whole book. And I just use like a little asterisk to mark ones that I think would be a good chapter start, like after a good hook or something. And then um, right before, basically the very last minute, right before I have to send it off to somebody to do a full read through. Mm -hmm. And um, then I will divide it up into chapters based on where I think the best hooks are and kind of balancing out the chapter you know, word count and things like that, which yeah. the outliner is really good for helping with. <laughs> nice. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. I think if we have time, we might have to be like, what do you mean? What does the outliner <laughs> do that helps with this? So I want to talk to um, the, the plotters out there. If you have been living in the same house for the last 15 or 30 years, and you use the same wall to put all your sticky notes on every single time, then you do not need Scrivener for this, but <laughs> For everybody who moves more often and um, and also like when I would go on writer's retreats and I'd be mid book and I'd have all my sticky notes out on the wall and then I'd be like, oh, what am I going to do? And I'd either try to get a piece of um, a poster board and put them on the poster board and very carefully roll it and hope that I didn't mess up my stickies or I would 
you know, stick them exactly one on top of each other. And then when I got to the hotel or wherever, I would stick them back up on the wall exactly and hope that none of them fell like behind the couch or whatever. Scrivener will let you do like the sticky note. It's the, it's the cork board. Mm-hmm. And so if you like putting up sticky notes, um, sometimes like I'll have four in a row. I know the first four scenes. And then in general, I know that uh, there's a space where I, I'm not really sure what happens before, you know, the action kind of moves into the, the next part of the storyline. Um, but I might have a space on my wall that's like another, you know, six sticky notes worth. So I could have um, the four, uh, it looks like three by five cards or uh, index cards, depending on what you call them. Um, I could have the four that have the description and then I can have six more blank ones knowing that there's a space where I'm not really sure what is, what's happening until the next thing that I do know what's happening yet. Exactly. Yeah. And even if you're one of those people who the creative process happens in the writing of the sticky note and all that, but once you have it, then you can transfer it to Scrivener. So if you like to work at a coffee shop or, yeah. or, or you're traveling or anything like that, you can take it with you. And so that, I think that's super useful having everything in one place. I used to work at a co-working space for a while and it was just, I mean, I'm not, I don't do the sticky notes too often, but you know, I'll do all this stuff on a whiteboard as I'm trying to work something out. And then I can just, sometimes I'll just take a picture of it, import the picture into Scrivener. And then I have the picture of the whiteboard. So I didn't have to like Redo. <laughs> write it all yeah. write it all down or type it all out or whatever. But yeah. yeah. So there's lots of different ways to handle whatever. Yeah. And if, and if you like, um, the sticky notes, like <laughs> I have, I have like eight colors of, <clears throat> excuse me, of sticky notes. So, um, just because it's, uh, you know, ingrained in you from the time you were a baby in the, in America, at least. So the pink ones are for the heroine, the blue ones are for the, um, for the hero and then i've got purple for the villain because it's like the darkest color that i could get and then orange is the secondary characters and then green is usually like questions like is this really what happens here or would it make more sense if i moved it like i'll put that on a sticky note and if you are the person who likes to color code things you can color code in the in almost any area of scrivener right can we talk yes. about that a little bit yeah so that goes back to the labels i was talking about earlier Um, And I mentioned using it for point of view or setting or whatever, but you could actually have, um, you can only apply one value at a time, but you could have um, point of view plus questions, you know, plus whatever. And so then you can just color code them by um, whatever you want. So you could match your, you can change the colors of the, the fields. It it sounds complicated, but it's really not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can just rename things, click on the little color button to, uh, change the color and, um, apply them. So, yeah. And you can apply it so that like the entire, whatever it is that you're looking at, whether it's what looks like a table of contents, but is the binder or whether mm-hmm. it's the, um, index cards looking bit that's on the cork board, you can make mm-hmm. it. So just a little bit of it is these colors, or you can make it. So the entire thing is the color, depending on how much of the color you want to see. Exactly. Yeah. I tend to go really subtle, like icons only, uh, usually, but it might do the index card and then the whole index card is pink. So yeah, it's very, it's nice. Cause you can turn those things on and off. So if you're working with them and you need them to be all colored right now, but then later you find it a distraction, you can just turn those colors off. There's the values are still applied to the files, but the color is just not showing up. So yeah. lots of, lots of flexibility. And there's awesome. even, um, a freeform cork board where you could like move things around oh. to the order that you want. And then and then tell Scrivener, like, keep this, keep this order. And, it and would. as you move it around, is it actually moving the files in the binder? So in the normal corkboard, yes. Um, but if you want to like play with things yeah. without worrying about moving it around, the freeform corkboard will let you play with it. And then if you decide you want to keep it, you can tell Scrivener to keep it or you can just get out of it. Oh, wow. Okay. So I I can't decide whether or not it would be better if this scene happened and then this one, or if this actually would be great because it would be like right before the climax, then I can play on the one cork board and it's, unless I save it or something like that, um, it's not going to actually mess up the order that I currently have. Correct. Like 
it a lot. <laughs> I do. I do get nervous about moving something just to see if it works. Cause I'm like, okay, I need to like take a screen capture so I can remember the order everything was in before I started screwing around with it. <laughs> but that reminds me of snapshots. Can you talk a little bit about what that does? Yeah. Snapshots are more about version control. Okay. So it basically, you know, takes a picture of your document as it is in that moment. Um, and I mean, individual documents. So like your scene or your chapter. And um, then that way, if you make changes to it. So I usually do this while I'm in revision mode, or um, let's say I, <laughs> I start over a lot. So let's say I'm like, oh, I'm going to rewrite the whole second half of this scene, but I want to keep what I wrote before, just in case I change my mind. I will take a snapshot of it and then I will go make all the changes. Um, but if I ever want to refer back to the original version, I have that in the snapshots tab, which is on the inspector. And I can click on the snapshot and then see at the bottom, it'll show me the whole text of how it was before. Oh. And I could even roll back to it, which I almost never do that. But sometimes I will go find like, you know, I really liked the way I did the banter better in that earlier version. I'll just go copy it from there and paste it in to the current version. Right. So um, I do that every time I go through a round of revisions. So I usually end up with, you know, five to 10 snapshots per document. Um, and wow. I almost never go back to them, but it's really, it just makes me feel better that I'm not going to lose any of my words. Yes. And um, they, in Scrivener 3, they're even more useful because they're searchable now. Uh, because I used to sometimes lose track of, like if I sort of redo things or change the names of files, um, maybe move chunks from one scene to another, I'll sometimes lose track of where that original version was. Yeah. Um, but I can search the snapshots now so I could look for, you know, I don't know, dog or something like that. And I would yeah. see all the snapshots that have the word dog in them and then I could pick the one I needed. So ah, that's I a, like this. yeah, it's made them a little bit more useful for actually going back and, and finding old text. Okay. Um, but I also, I also create a folder that I just call unused scenes where if I write a scene and I'm not going to use it, I just drag it in there. Yeah. So again, I never, never, never have to worry about I never actually, actually deleting delete words. I never delete yes. words. Yes. Yes. It makes me feel happier too. Even I've written 70,000 words in my current book and I'm, I'm still basically starting over. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, I, I know we probably should wrap this up soon, but um, I was going to ask you a little bit about organization, but you reminded me of something that happens sometimes. Um, sometimes it happens more often than we really wish. Uh, I would like it to only happen once in my life, but it's already happened twice. When you essentially get to the end of the first draft, get some notes from someone that you trust, an editor or, or you know, different people have critique group, critique mm -hmm. partner, um, and you realize that... Um, that you just, that you missed something when you were writing most of it that you finally found in the end, and you're essentially going to have to do a page one rewrite. So at what point, and because before I was really crystal clear, how do I say this? It's not that I wasn't crystal clear about how Scrivener works. I mean, I have this one document and it's always backing up, so I'll never lose it, but I really only have one document. But um, a couple of times I've done almost a complete rewrite. And so I've done a save as and created a new Scrivener folder, a file, um, I don't know, document project. project yeah. Um, and now this one is, you know, say it's, um, I, I think Love at the Fluff and Fold was one of them. I have like Love at the Fluff and Fold, June, 2014, and then Love at the Fluff and Fold, April, 2016. And then I'm doing what you said. Oh, the banter in that part was better. So I'm going to copy it. But then sometimes I feel like, crap, which, which of these documents, which of these projects is really the one that I meant to be working in? I don't know if you have any any tips for people who are doing that or maybe who have already screwed up, not realizing that they didn't have to keep doing save as with more dates or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, unless somebody's really comfortable with computers, I generally don't recommend save as just because then I've had so many clients who are like, I've got five copies of this project. And I don't know which one's right. And I think I've written in that one and that one over two subsequent days. And now it's like all messed up. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
you could do that. Obviously, just make sure you're naming things so that you know which one's the old version, which one's the new version, so you don't get confused. Because when you do save as, it will close the current version and keep open only the new version. Um, what I would probably do in that case is just take, if I'm if I'm just starting over basically blank page, I might just um, take everything I've written, group it into a folder and put it down in, in like outside of the draft and just call it old version or whatever, right. and then start a new version. So that so. you're still in the same original Scrivener project file. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. And brilliant. then you don't have to recreate all, I mean, save yeah. as will recreate all your research and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, this way you don't have a bunch of duplicates and you can easily go back and search and it will, um, you know, find things in there as well, if you wanted to, or you can turn that off. So yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Just having, it's kind of like my, my series Bible. I have a separate project that's just for my series Bible. And, um, so that has all of the, you know, like the timeline for everybody and like all the, once I get done with the book, I move the character sheet over there that has the complete character sheets and then, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, everything that's relevant to the whole series. And then as I finish each, each book, I move the final version of the book in there as well. Oh, really? Because, yeah, it's been super helpful um, because now I'm on book seven and I need to go back and find all the places where I mentioned Jason in the previous six books. Yeah. I can do that all from my series Bible. Ah, so you're, um, are you compiling, say books one through six, are you compiling and then creating a single document that you then import or no? No, I just, I just go back and do a search. Um, basically like every place his name is mentioned, but I mean, to get the six books into your series Bible. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, um, you just can dragging. open two projects side by side and just yeah. drag files from one to the other. Just drag the whole thing. Okay. Or you can, or you can do import Scrivener project. Um, but that usually imports like everything. So yeah, no, I just, I just create a folder that says, you know, like blind fury. And then I just select all the folders in blind fury and drag them into that folder. And now I have the whole book in there. Okay. Simple. So, yeah. Um, but it's been really, really useful for going back and looking, especially cause I won't always remember like, Oh, I know I mentioned in one of the previous books, this, but I don't remember if I said this about it or not. I want to make sure I'm getting it right. I don't want to have to open five or six book files just to find what I'm looking for. So yeah. I can just search the one series Bible for that. Okay. I'm going to redo my series Bible now too. <laughs> this is awesome. This, this has been a growing thing. It's like only, I think after about book three, where I finally decided that would be really handy. And I, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of learning as I go with, I didn't even create a series Bible till probably halfway through book two when I realized how, what a pain it was trying to yeah. go back and <laughs> exactly. keep track of everything and like search through the book every time I wanted to know something. Yeah. So does I'm he have a black better. Ford pickup truck or a blue Ford pickup right? truck? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now I have this whole list of every name I've ever used in the series so that right. I can like, have I used that name before? Oh shoot. I did. It was the waiter. Okay. That's okay. I can use that one again, but oh no, that's his sister. Nope. I got to come up with a different one. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere so. along the way between, um, the short story prequel book one, um, making notes on books two, three, and four, and then finally deciding which book would actually be book two. Um, I had named different people, uh, sometimes in books that are published. So I can't really change that now. And I realized that the heroine, her dead husband is Jed his best friend, uh, who, um, they were in the army. And so his best friend who's alive because her husband saved his life, um, is Joe and the hero's <laughs> name is Jax. And I can't change two out of the three names. And I kind of promised my friend that he would be Joe named after Joe. Um, so then I was like, oh, this is terrible. And then I thought, oh my gosh, no, it's real life. She's and she's a mom, so she's going to be just like every other mom going, Jimmy, Jane, Joey, whatever your name is, just listen to me. You know? Yeah, but otherwise, no, I need to never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I try. I, I was even thinking I had like, um, I have one book where the hero is Kurt and the heroine is Caitlin, but she's spelled with a C. And so when I was writing it, it looks, you know, on paper, it looks completely different, whatever. But I was thinking, well, if I ever do the audiobook for this, it's going to be a little annoying for the, for the reader. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt yeah. and Caitlin, Kurt and Caitlin, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to keep that in mind too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? The whole, the whole writer's journey. I mean, that's why we love about it. Everything we're constantly learning some new or cool thing that we want to do more of or learning what we hope we never have to do again. <laughs> yes. Lots of that too. Uh, well, I know we should wrap up, but I did just have one more quick question, which sure. may not be quick. So just tell me if you're like, I could spend another hour talking <laughs> about that. Um, one of the things that uh, people often uh, talk about and ask each other is how I like precisely. And this is why I'm like, Oh, this might be too long of a topic. Um, how the information, uh, gets organized in a way that you don't feel like it's just a really another long list of documents in the binder there. I mean, it, it already splits it up between, you know, here's your manuscript, here's your research. You've got a couple other places, um, that, are um, part of the newer versions, you know, like all that you could put all the characters in one place and all the settings in one place. But so they've already done part of that work for you. Is there any other like tips that you want to mention that you're like, oh, this is my favorite organizational tip or? Um, well, I did mention that I, you know, now I just do the whole, just the whole list of scenes. Um, but if you found that getting unwieldy, you could always put it you know, into folders. So that's why I mentioned you could, maybe you don't want to break it up into chapters yet because you're not sure, but you could put it into parts or just be like, you know, the beginning, middle, end, or right. kind of whatever makes sense to you. Cause then you can collapse them if they're in a folder and then it just zips it all up. So right, right. It's, you don't have to see it every time you're in there. So it's really, and then you can take them out of those folders later when you're ready to do whatever you need to do with it. So you know, people always feel like, well, if I make folders, that's, that's it. That's in stone. I'm like, yeah. no, you just drag them back out. It's yeah. fine. So. so if you were writing the Hobbit, you could be like, um, when it starts <laughs> at the Shire, uh, when they're on the road up until here, when they're all together here, when Gandalf isn't with them, like you could just name the folders like that yeah. and then go back later and figure out, okay, these are the, the way I'm going to break up these scenes into chapters. Yeah. You could even do, um, you know, done and not done or something like oh, that. Yeah. Like you could create a done folder and then just as you write a scene and it's done, put it up in there. And then you would have one folder and one document that's the one you're working on. So yeah, depending yeah. on how minimalist how you brain. want your thing to be. Yeah. And just this made me think of something when we were talking about like getting started with Scrivener, everybody always goes in and chooses the fiction template or the nonfiction template. And I really, really recommend you start with blank. Really? Yeah, because okay, um, <laughs> because the blank template only has three folders and a document. So it's got the, the draft folder or, or manuscript in the other templates, um, research and trash, and that's it. And then one document in the draft folder for you ready to go. So it's just mm -hmm. way less overwhelming. Yeah. And all of those folders that are in the other templates are things that you can create yourself. Or you could create another um, project later on and drag those over drag, yeah. or drag the stuff into the new template, you know, if you decide you need those things. But um, a lot of it is stuff you may never use. And then people are afraid to delete anything because they feel like it's sacred because they don't know what they're doing yet. Yeah. So if you did create a, um, a project based on one of those templates and there's a bunch of stuff that you don't use, you can delete all of it. <laughs> the only thing you can't delete is the the draft or manuscript folder, research and trash. Everything else is optional. Awesome. So, so I'm just going to reiterate that one more time. If you're thinking about trying it or you've got it and you just haven't been able to go open a new project and choose the blank option, and then yes. you'll just have basically a word processing document in front of you. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. I, I always want to encourage people to just go in there and start typing. And then when you need to do something, like learn how to do just that one thing that you need to do right now. Is that uh, a good advice? Should I stop saying it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's pretty much what I tell people. And if, if they can handle it, I, re I do recommend going through the tutorial, but I just want them to go through it with keeping in mind that they don't have to understand all of it. It's yeah. really just there. Like, here's all the things Scrivener can do. Do any of these appeal to you? Here's how to do them. Yeah. If it doesn't ignore it and move on, but yeah. know that it's here. So later, if you're like, oh, they said something about, you know, using the color coding with labels, 
you can go back to the tutorial or the manual or one of my blog posts and <laughs> learn how to use the labels and the color coding. Yeah. Because you know, it exists, but right. um, there literally is probably a feature for almost any pain point you can think of because they've been refining this for like 15 years. And, um, you know, the guy who started it was a writer. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's ever finished that first book because this sort of took over his life. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, he is a writer who built it to, to meet his needs as a writer. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Gwen, this has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been fun. Good, good. Well, listen, people are going to want to know where can they find you, your courses, your books, maybe that people are like, what, what romantic suspense? I didn't know Gwen wrote romantic suspense. <laughs> so where can they find you online? Okay, or well, my... anywhere else if you're going to be someplace live? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um... I have an appearances tab on my website for okay. anything. no live things this year. Pandemic's still hanging on. Yeah. Um, so my main website is GwenHernandez.com. And um, that has sort of links to everything. And then um, if you are interested in Scrivener classes specifically, I have a ScrivenerClasses.com. <laughs> Super simple. And um, so I have like all the online courses for both Mac and Windows on there. And I'm trying to finish up the compile course for windows this month and get that one out there as well. But nice now that there's a new version. Yeah. So yeah, those two websites. And then I'm on, um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, mostly Instagram is okay. actually my favorite. Cause I'm a picture gal, but nice. Yeah. And I, um, and I do like, I do private training for people who really need help now and <laughs> money's no object. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, the online classes are the, the cheap version. I don't have any new books for Scrivener in the works right now, but okay. maybe someday. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and, and all of this lovely help. I can't wait to go try a few of the things that you mentioned that I can't believe there's, there's tools out there that I should be using. I didn't know. <laughs> That's the fun part. There's always something new to learn. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been fun. I hope everybody will at least give Scrivener a try and see if it's for them. And if it's not, that's okay too. <laughs>